Nice to see you all. God is good. Amen. Let me, uh, we've got some nice cards and all. I want to read some of them to you. Um, this is just somebody that we don't know. Pastor Morgan knows them. And um, he sent us an offering uh, for the hurricane stuff. And he said, please use this money in any way you see fit. And he says, Morgan has told us of all the wonderful things you and your wife have done to aid the people and the workers after the hurricane. Keep up the good work. So I sent an update to uh, Dennis Burke. And he says, well, thank you for all of this, for this update. I think about you often, was about to text you to check on you, so this information is timely. You certainly have been running day and night for weeks now. God is really using you in the midst of all of this to bless a lot of people. Hopefully the adjuster and the insurance will come through quickly and enable you to move forward freely. I'll certainly update Vicki and our office, and we keep you in our prayers. And then Terry Mai says, wow. Everybody starts with wow. wow. He says, wow, you guys haven't had a break. God bless you big time for blessing those guys. The fruit of goodness is something I love, and you and Nid are masters at it. Thank you for the update, because we want to know. Love you both. So they're praying for us and uh, believing God with us. Praise the Lord. Amen. 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 God is, is good. Um, the uh, last of the linemen, I, I believe they left this morning. So that's been three weeks of really taking care of them and serving them for the last three weeks, which has been a tremendous blessing. And, of course, in the midst of all that, we just believe God for the supply. And because, uh, you know, you know, Pastor Nid isn't making a ham sandwich for them. He's feeding them really good. I ate with them, so now I got to lose a few pounds. <laughs> uh, but they were they were really blessed. We're still letting them park their trucks here. They'll bring them in at night, and then they'll get in the pickup truck and and go to a, a hotel. So they are still out working. So um, uh, we sh we appreciate them and all that they're doing. Amen. Amen, amen. Glory to God. Well, let's bless the Lord. Father, we bless you and honor you, Lord. We give you all the glory and all the praise. You alone are worthy to receive Jesus. All honor, all glory, all worship, all adoration. For you alone are the worthy lamb. You are the one that is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. You're the majesty on high. You're the glorious king, the God of creation, the God of our salvation. For in you there is salvation in your name. No other name is given under heaven by which men must be saved. And that is the name of Jesus Christ, Jesus of Nazareth, Lord of all, the Son of the living God. We bless you, Lord, and praise your name forevermore. Bless you, bless you, bless you, Jesus. Bless you, Lord Jesus. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to sit at your feet, to hear your word, that by your spirit that you will impart revelation into our spirit, that we'll take hold of the truth, meditate on it, ponder it, and put it into our heart. That, Father, that even if it's things that does not really pertain to us, it is going to pertain to somebody. And therefore, we become the distribution of your word and of your life and of your love to a dying world. Father, I just thank you for your goodness and your grace that we can continually develop in your divine nature, conforming to the image of Jesus, walking more and more in a manner worthy of you, pleasing you in all respects, increasing in knowledge and wisdom. And we thank you for these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. amen. Glory to God. Let's open up to 2 Peter this evening, chapter 2. 2 Peter chapter 2, and we're going to read verses 1 through 3. 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. 
He says, but false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will also be false teachers among you. So he's talking about the false prophets in the Old Testament, and now in the days of the New Testament, he says, there will be false teachers among you who will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing swift destruction upon themselves. Many will follow their sensuality, and because of them, the way of the truth will be maligned, and in their greed, they will exploit you with false words. Their judgment from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. Hallelujah. Well, it says here in, uh, in, in verse 1, he's talking about false teachers, okay? And just like false prophets. And it says one thing about them is that even they have denied the master who bought them. You know, the lordship of Jesus Christ. And when we say Jesus is Lord, you know, it's not just that he's our savior, but that he is to be our Lord. Isn't that right? And when Jesus is lordship, has lordship in your life, you give him first place. That we, being directed by his spirit, would go in his direction and that which he requires. It's not as I will, but it's as you will. Amen. Amen. Well, that's the lordship of Jesus, okay? So you can have Jesus as your savior, but then there's Jesus as your Lord. So one, Jesus as your Savior will secure your eternity. But Jesus as your Lord will determine what type of eternity you're going to have. Amen. And we've talked about this many times. But it says here that they rejected or they denied the master. The word deny also means to reject. So they rejected his lordship. And they went their own way and they became false teachers. Okay. And it says that they denied the master who bought them. You know, Jesus bought all people with his blood, but not all people are redeemed. All people are bought, but not all people are redeemed because not all people have accepted the sacrifice of Jesus to where they've received him as their Lord and Savior into their life. So even though somebody may not have accepted Jesus, they were bought, but they rejected, denied. Are you with me? They did not accept the price that was paid for them. So it says here that they've denied and rejected the master who bought them. And since they've denied him and rejected him and will not accept him, it will bring swift destruction upon themselves. Amen. Now go over to Revelation chapter 2. Now we've been talking, or we had talked, I mean we took a little break from it, but we were talking about that we should not have any compromise in our life. And we should not be led into compromise. Should not allow. What, what will lead you into compromise? False teachers. False teachers will lead you to compromise. Because they do not speak truth. Amen. So here in Revelation chapter 2 and verse 20. It says, but I have this against you. And he's talking to the city of Thyatira. That you tolerate the woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess, and she teaches and leads my bondservants astray so that they commit acts of immorality and eat things sacrificed to idols. So Jezebel was a teacher. She calls herself a prophetess. Isn't that right? So she calls herself that, but what does God call her? A seducer, one that leads my people astray, one that causes them to wander. So what would you say about Jezebel? False teacher. You know, just because somebody's a teacher, it doesn't make them right. Amen. Verse 21. And we'll just run through some of this because I think we've talked about it before. It says, I gave her time to repent, and she does not want to repent of her immorality. All right. He gave Jezebel time to repent. He's dealing with her as a child, as one of his own. All right. He's giving time to repent. You know, it's just like we talk about how we live in the dispensation of grace. Well, what is the dispensation of grace? Time to repent. Amen. 
Amen. So he's given you space and he's given a time. He's given grace and he's given mercy. I've given her what? Time. When does that time run out? You don't want to miss the window of opportunity because that window will close and there'll be no opportunity to repent. Jezebel has said no to God and her roots are in the occult and it's coming out in her false teaching and she's seducing. And Jesus is very upset about this. Notice what he said. He is, she is leading my bond servants astray. She is teaching my bond servants license and liberty of immorality. She's involved with the unions. This is not like the automotive unions and stuff. This, this was the unions of those days that had to do with uh, witchcraft and idolatry. And she's involved with demon activity. If you remember, uh, she came out of the occult before coming in and, and teaching in the church. I don't know if you remember we talked about that. You can go back a few weeks. You can't get it on live stream, I don't think. Well, maybe you can because that might have been the last one we had before we lost internet some three weeks ago. But you can review that. So she's come out from the occult, and that occult teaching is in what she is teaching to the, uh, the church. And, he, and Jesus says she teaches and leads my bond servants astray. Okay? Verse 22. He says, Behold, I will throw her on a bed of sickness, and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation unless they repent of her deeds. Behold. The word behold means I'm arresting your attention. It means listen, pay attention, and it's like he goes, hey, look at this. Pay attention to what I'm saying here. Behold. I'm going to throw her, cast her, hurl her onto a bed of sickness. And then the New Testament the, the word of sickness is actually italicized, and it means I'm going to throw her on a bed. But in the New Testament, it's always a bed of sickness and physical affliction. Why? Because false teachers will bring swift destruction upon themselves. They refuse to repent. So what does the Lord do whenever we refuse to? When that window of repentance closes, what does the Lord do? Leaves you to your own self. Isn't that right? He will leave you to your own activity. That's what he's saying. I will leave them to their own activity. And when I do, destruction will be the normal course and the resultant action. And there will be no opportunity to repent and turn away from that resultant action. Destruction will be the final result. Yeah. Amen. You remember when, uh, uh, when Moses went to Pharaoh and said, let my people go. Or as Charlton Heston said, let my people go. You know? <laughs> you know? And what did Pharaoh do? He would not, he would not, he would not. Well, the English translation says, and God hardened his heart, as though God was forcing Pharaoh to stand against Moses. And, of course, that's our English language, but that's not at all what it says in the Hebrew. And what it's actually saying is that God left Pharaoh to his own self. And in his own self, the obstinate, prideful person that he was would take the normal course of standing against Moses and say, you will not tell me what to do. So he just left him to himself, okay? And because Pharaoh acted out of his own nature, what was the result? Egypt was pretty much destroyed. His army got destroyed. They were all wiped out. The firstborn were killed and just plague after plague after plague. And the pride of Pharaoh stood up and said, no, 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 I will not let you go. And then when he does let him go, he goes, what did I do? Why did we let them go? Let's go get them back again. And they all drown in the Red Sea. Swift destruction. Jezebel is not repenting so he will release her if she does not repent he will release her to her own devices Deuteronomy is very plain about it today I set before you life and death choose 
that's in your hands. We are the ones that have to choose. God will not choose for you. He's laying it all out, and he goes, now you, with free will, I've given you free will, the greatest gift that any person could ever have. I've given you free will. Make a choice. What will you choose? Life or death? The blessing or the curse? And nobody in their right mind would ever choose the curse or death. But because of deception, we do constantly. And it's time to wake up. Make a choice. So she was teaching spiritual adultery, which will also cause one to walk in physical adultery. Spiritual error always leads to physical error. Always. Both of them, whether it's spiritual or physical, both of them are a violation of covenant. Spiritual error, a violation of covenant. Physical error, violation of covenant. Many times when God deals with man, the instrument of their wrongdoing becomes the instrument of their punishment. Jezebel taught about the bed of pleasure, immorality. But what was the punishment? The bed of sickness. What was pleasure will become torment. What you sow is what you reap. And he said, those who commit adultery with her will be cast into great tribulation. With her. Partnership. Companionship. Fellowship. Not only those that heard her teaching, but those that actually partook of it and acted on it. They were comrades together. Look at the message translation of this verse. He says, I'm about to lay her low along with all her partners as they play their sex and religion games. Religion is a killer. And it'll always lead you down the wrong path because it's run by man. Are you with me? This is why when you get involved with religion, things are always changing. Well, first it was this way. Now it's that way. Oh, this was good. Oh, now that's not. Oh, this is now changed. That's religion. The word of God never changes. It's always the same. So going back again to the New American Standard uh, Version. So he says that he was going to cast her on a bed of sickness, and he said those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation or great suffering, distress and trouble, severe chastening, unless they repent of what? Her deeds, the ones that she's teaching them. Unless you repent of those things and stop doing those things, I'm going to cast you. So he's still giving them time. He's not saying it's all done. The window's still open. You still have an opportunity to repent. But how often is it the case that sooner or later, sorrow comes because the season of sin will change? The season of sin will always change. It will always seem to be just so wonderful and so great, and there's nothing like it. But then the knife comes and sticks you in the back. It always happened. It always does happen. And in fact, we get so used to the sin, we'll live with the knife in our back. We will. We live in the, with the knife in our back because we've gotten so used to sin and we don't want to stop now. And what is that knife doing? It's leading you right into total destruction. Amen. I will throw her on a bed of sickness. And what was she teaching? Immorality. This change of season is evident by the severest form of frightful diseases that comes from immorality. This is a word of great displeasure from the Lord. And it is violating the laws of purity. You can't mess with this and think you're going to be okay. 
There is no sin that produces a mere withering and desolating effect upon the soul than what is referred to here. None which is more certain to be followed with sorrow. Apostle Paul talks about it when he, when he wrote to the Corinthian church. Isn't that right? Amen. And he said, unless they repent, unless they repent. So destruction never comes because of sin. It comes because of a refusal to repent. Are you with me? She's leading the bond servants astray. Bond servants know better. They're being seduced. They're not deceived. They're being seduced. Okay? And the seduced are responsible. Remember, Eve was deceived, but Adam was seduced. And the sin of the world is called the sin of Adam, not Eve, because Adam knew better. Are you with me? Just like Adam, they know better, but they're persuaded otherwise. And Jesus is saying, you must repent. And without repentance, life is about to make an ugly change. Amen. Verse 23. He says, and I will kill her children with pestilence, and all the churches will know that I am he who searches the minds and the hearts, and I will give to each one of you according to your deeds. So now we have another group facing judgment, and it's called their spiritual children. The church is now about 40 years old, and the second generation of errorists has risen up. And he said, I'll kill her children with pestilence, with death. Jezebel was unrepentant. And a warning is to her disciples to repent while there's still time. The window has not closed. There's still time to repent. Just like Jezebel in the Old Testament and her children. Who was the child of Jezebel and Ahab? King Ahaziah. Now, do you remember King Ahaziah that fell through the lattice in 2 Kings? And he, and he sent uh, his envoy to go inquire of Baalzebub about whether he would recover or not. And Elijah meets them on the way and says, is it because there's not a God in Israel that you've come to require, inquire of Baalzebub? And they go back and he says, tell the king he will not come down. That he will die. And they went back and told the king. And they said, who was this? And they said it was a hairy guy. He goes, that's Elijah. <laughs> so he sends a captain and his 50 to go get Elijah. And the fire comes down on the captain and his 50 and smokes them. So he sends another captain and 50 and the fire comes down and smokes them. He sends another captain and 50 and they humble themselves and Elijah goes with them. And Ahaziah, King Ahaziah, what? Died. Why? Because by his mother's ill instruction and example, he followed her ways. Amen. Amen. Elijah pronounced a final doom against his impenitence. Tell him he will not come down. He will die. Those that followed her counsel and walked in the fruit of her teaching. Jesus is not happy with that. See, this is Jesus' attitude towards sin. Now, Jesus loves the sinner. The proof of it is he's given us time to repent. He's saying, wake up, get it together, and repent, and all will be well. Because he loves the sinner. Because he wants you to be free. He wants you to be free. He wants you on the path of blessing. When you repent, you get over onto the path of blessing. Isn't that right? And he said, I will kill her children. I'll kill her. I mean, you don't get much plainer than this. 
He does not tolerate, he does not pacify, and he does not excuse sin. Unlike us most of the time with people we know. We pacify it, we excuse it, we buddy up to it, and we say, oh, it's okay, God loves you. Yes, he does, he loves you, he hates your sin. And he's trying to get you free. He set before you life and death, the blessing and the curse. Choose your path. You get to choose your path. You can't blame anybody else. You choose your path. Yeah, but you don't know what happened. No, you choose your path. Oh, but this is what, you know, you don't know what they say. You choose your path. No matter what happens, you choose your path. Amen. So this reveals Christ's passion for purity and purity of doctrine. The teaching of truth. Jesus is going to purge his church. Spots and wrinkles. Spots have to get removed and wrinkles have to get ironed out. Isn't that right? Amen. This is a warning not only to those that hear and want to go along with and act on false teaching, but it's also a warning to all teachers, like to me. And it's a warning to make sure that truth is being spoken. Doesn't matter who likes it, don't like it. This is not easy to talk about. And the reason it's not easy to talk about is because of flesh. But we have to make sure that we're teaching the truth. Why? Because your blood is on my hands. If I don't teach the truth and you walk in error, that blood is on my hands. And I will be responsible when I stand before the Lord. But if I speak the truth and you choose not to accept it, your blood is not on my hands. I've spoken the truth. Are you with me? So. The whole purpose of having church and teaching the word is not to grow a church. Oh, we, we sugarcoat it so we can get more people in. Or we just make it real easy on them so we can get more people in. Oh, we just want to, you know, we just, we just well, we don't want to talk about those issues because most people don't like that and we want to grow the church. Jesus isn't impressed with that. There's only one thing he cares about and that's truth. Because he is the truth. Isn't that right? This is very serious. This is a serious, serious subject. And it's a warning for all to repent, to turn, to change, or to face divine chastening. He will allow us to reap what we have sowed according to our deeds. And if we do not change what we're sowing, life will not be well. So that all of the churches will know, all churches, this is all churches for all time, not just those churches, but all churches for all time, that we are to wake up to the reality of what he's talking about and choose ye this day. I am he who searches the minds and the hearts. He searches. He makes a careful search, follows us and tracks us. You may not like Google tracking you, but Jesus tracks you. He is watching you. He's not only watching you outwardly, he's watching you inwardly. Your mind, your thoughts, your intents, he is tracking you, he's following. No matter how things look outwardly, Jesus searches the inward parts, whether we allow him to or not. And our allowance for us to allow him to do it is for our benefit. Because the Bible says, God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, this he will reap. A man's harvest in life depends totally and entirely on what he sows. God is not mocked. You're not going to make a fool of him, and you're not going to skate by. What a man sows, he will reap. If he sows to the flesh, he will reap corruption. If he sows to the spirit, he will reap life. Amen. Amen. Look at the message translation. <clears throat> it says, the bastard offspring of their idol horroring I'll kill. Yeah. 
then every church will know that appearances do not impress me. I x-ray every motive and make sure you get what's coming to you. And don't get any plainer than that, folks. Now, you may not be involved in immorality and that kind of stuff, but there's stuff that we all have to deal with. And he's looking at every motive and what goes on in our heart. He's not impressed with our outward. See, this is what he talks about in Corinthians where you had the foundation of Jesus, but then you build your life. It's either on gold, silver, precious stones or wood, hanging straw. And what makes it the material, the right material for, for growth is the motives. What goes on on the inside, not on the outside. Because the outside, everybody and anybody can put on a show. Pfft, come on. There are so many shows that go on in the church. It's disgusting. I don't mean this church. I just mean generally speaking. But it's actually disgusting of what goes on. And Jesus is not happy. And that's called walking in falsehood. When you got one thing on the inside and something else on the outside, that's falsehood. And he hates that. He'd rather you be a truthful sinner. He can work with you a lot better that way. At least you're truthful about it. But he don't like the show. The fancy words, just saying the right thing. Oh, I'm just saying the right thing to impress you and just to make everything, you know, whatever. You know, or I'm, I put on, you know, and I, I, I just act, you know, I, I got the church face. I got the church. I, okay. But outside, or what goes on on the inside, totally different. And what is he looking at? He's not looking at your church face. He's looking inside. Amen. The New Living Translation. No. <laughs> he says, I will strike her children dead then all the churches will know that I am the one who searches out the thoughts and the intentions of every person, and I will give to each of you whatever you deserve. Mm -mm -mm. Now, that doesn't mean that God is, you know, he's going to strike you dead or, or anything like that. What it means is spiritual law is going to go into operation. If you don't repent, spiritual law goes into operation. What you sow is what you will reap. Principles of the word of God is going to go into effect. You can't skate by. You can't fool God. The laws are already out there. That's like I'm going to jump off the roof, but gravity will not take hold. Yes, it will. You can't skate by it. Are you with me? And that's what he's saying. And that's what he means by this. It's going to happen. This is what's going on. I see what you're doing. It, you're acting one way, but this is what's on the inside. And what's on the inside is the real you, not what's on the outside. The outside is phony. The inside is the real you. If the inside and the outside agree, then you're walking in truth. And if not, you will reap based on what's on the inside. Not on the phony outside. Verse 24, back in New American Standard. He says, but I say to you, the rest who are in Thyatira, who do not hold this teaching. So these are the ones that are not walking in the things of that Jezebel teaches. Now, they're in the church. She's teaching in the church, but they're not holding to the teaching. And they have not known the deep things of Satan as they call them. And I place no other burden on you. So these are those that have restrained themselves from fornication, immorality, and idolatry. And there is no other burden on them. Because what is idolatry? There's three things that are in the world. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. The lust of the eyes is idolatry where you honor what is seen above the unseen God. The lust of the flesh it's fornication and sins in the body, uh, gluttony, and anything else that has to do with the flesh. And then there is the pride of life that says it's okay to reject God's commands. That's right. It's not okay. So it's the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Those are the three things that are in the world, and those things never change. 
They come in all different packages, but when you open up the package, one of those three is in there. And he says, they have not known the deep things of Satan as they call them. They call them. God calls it very plain, sin and seduction. They call it, oh, these are the deep things. These are the deep things. Welcome to the dark side. The dark side. The deep things of the dark side. See, that's what false teachers do. False teachers always offer something deep that only the special can understand it. The reasoning of some in the early church went like this. The only effective way to confront Satan was to actually enter into his strongholds. The real nature of sin could only be learned by experience. Therefore, only those who had really experienced sin could truly appreciate grace. Well, I don't see anything different than what's being taught these days. Go ahead and sin because grace will cover it. What's the difference? No difference. The deep things of Satan. Go ahead and sin. There's nothing wrong with that. Grace will get you covered. Experiencing the depths of paganism. One would better be equipped to serve Christ or to be an example of freedom to his brothers by experiencing the depths of paganism. And it's deadly serious because of the depths of its, de of its deception. What would be the difference between that and thou shalt not lie except when you fill out your income taxes? I mean, that's okay. Why would that be okay? Lying is lying. Don't get quiet on me. We're getting down to the real things of life. Honest is honest. Integrity is integrity. Cheating is cheating. Lying is lying. Hello. Are you a bond servant? Then you know better. Jesus was our substitute. He destroyed sin in the flesh, and in him we overcome sin. We don't have to experience sin in order to be able to overcome it. They were teaching works of the flesh. That works of the flesh, you got to work in the flesh. You have to experience all the sin. And by experiencing this, those works in the flesh will then give you victory over that sin. And you have just denied the Lord that bought you. It was his substitutionary work that freed us from sin. And it's our acceptance of that that we can walk free from it. Isn't that right? Amen. Verse 25. He says, nevertheless, what you have, hold fast until I come. Hold fast, hold tightly, don't let go of it. What you have. They were growing. They were increasing in God. They were increasing in good deeds. They were fervent about God, living pure. He said, for those of you that are doing that, I put no other burden on you. Hold fast to it. Don't let go of it. And hold it. How long? Until I come. Isn't that right? Yes. Amen. 26 and 27. He who overcomes and he who keeps my deeds until the end, to him I will give authority over the nations. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron, as the vessels of the potter are broken to pieces, as I also have received authority from my father. This church of Thyatira, with Jezebel in the pulpit, was being controlled and dominated by that Jezebel spirit. Jezebel may not have even, probably wasn't even her name, but she was given that name because of the control controlling spirit that she operated in, just like Jezebel in the Old Testament. Jezebel of the Old Testament was married to King Ahab, who was a weak-willed man. And the same thing with Jezebel, because she was married to the pastor. And he let that garbage go on in his church. 
controlled, dominated by a Jezebel spirit. And let me just tell you this, Jezebel is not always a woman. It's a spirit of control and dominance. Again, she was teaching, if you want to rule over sin, you got to walk in the totality of it. If you want to reach the nations, you got to live just like them. Now, I've known people like this. In fact, I knew this one woman, and um, her father used to tell her, you know, if you want to reach the prostitutes, you got to live just like them. If you want to reach the drug addicts, you got to live just like them. So I'm supposing then Jesus reached nobody. And the one thing you found out about her, which I found out later, was she was a witch. Because that's the occult. Are you with me? You don't reach the nations by being like the nations. You reach them by being like Jesus. Amen. Amen. And you won't reach them by being like yourself. You got to be like Jesus. Amen. Jesus says, if you overcome and if you hold fast, then I will give you real authority. I will give you authority over the nations. And when would that authority come? In the millennium. So the bondservants that was being seduced and being led astray and walking in the deeds of Jezebel, even in the middle of that seduction, Jesus is saying, if you repent, then you can overcome and gain real authority, not this dumb flesh stuff. You're not overcoming with this flesh stuff. You're being overcome. Isn't that right? And he said here, uh, and he, he keeps my deeds until the end to him. I'll give authority over the nations. He'll rule him with a rod of iron. Vessels of the potter are broken to pieces as I have received authority from my father. So he's talking to who? The one that overcomes, the one that repents, the one that turns, the one that holds fast and don't let go. Don't move into those things. The overcomer, the Greek word Nike, which is, if you pronounce it in English, it's Nike, the victor. That's what overcomer is, Nike, the conqueror, the victor, the one that overcomes rather than being overcome. He keeps, all right? He who keeps my deeds until the end. He keeps them. He's a warden. He guards it. He watches it. He keeps an eye on it. He obeys it. He watches what he does. And don't give himself to the compromise of these other things that people are talking about. Stays with the truth. Stays with my deeds. Amen. Adam, when he was in the garden, the Lord said to him, keep the garden. It meant guard it, protect it, watch over it. Amen. Keeping the deeds of the Lord, being a guard and a keeper and guarding these things against the deep things of Satan as they call them. Which means what? It means the nonsense of Satan is a shallow shell. There's no depth to that. It's ridiculous. People let... The people let Hollywood make them think, oh, the things of Satan. Uh, you got to be kidding me. He's an imp. The Bible says that when we finally see him, we're going to look at him and go, this thing, this thing shook the nation, this thing. Amen. What did what did, what was the what was the deal that? Satan told Eve in the garden, if you eat the, from the tree, you will what? You will be like God, knowing what? But they already knew good. So the only thing they had to learn was evil. So what Satan was actually saying to Adam and Eve is, experience evil and you'll be just like God. Step into the depths of Satan and you'll be just like God. Go to the full gamut of sin and you'll overcome it and be like God. Liars. 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 Jesus, uh, the, the word said to 
in Psalm chapter 2, Ask of me, and I will give thee the heathen for thy inheritance and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. Thou shalt break them with a rod of iron. Thou shalt dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Well, that's exactly what's being said here, isn't it? That was Psalm 2, 8 and 9. That's exactly what's being said right here. He'll rule them with a rod of iron, and the vessels of the potter are broken to pieces. So as much as that was a prophecy in Psalms about Jesus, it's now spoken to the overcomers of the church because the overcomer in the church is in Christ. And the authority that he has, he then gives it to the overcomer. So that means that in the millennium, the church will be a militant church that will rule the nations with a rod of iron. Amen. Same authority, the same authority that Jesus has received from the Father is the same authority that he'll give to the overcomer. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. Everybody will be made to come and pay homage to the king. Isn't that right? Amen. Amen. Verse 28. <clears throat> and I will give him the morning star. Oh, hallelujah. The morning star. Look in uh, Revelation twenty-two sixteen. 16. Revelation twenty-two sixteen. And he says, I, Jesus have sent my angel to testify to you these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. Jesus is the morning star. So when he says, I'm going to give you the morning star, it means I will give you kingly glory. You'll walk as an overcomer. It's part, not just part of the body of Christ, but you will be walking with my kingly glory because you have kept yourself pure on the earth, repented of the deeds that you had. In the, in the city of Pergamum, he said, I'll give you some of the hidden manna, a piece of himself in Revelation. Here's a piece. A piece of him in Revelation is that he's the morning star, and you will have that. I will give you the morning star, the kingly glory, as you walk with me. Amen. Amen. In the Greco-Roman Greco world, they believed that life was ruled by the stars, and they would be given authority over one of the most powerful stars, which was a symbol of sovereignty among the Romans. So when Jesus talks about stuff, they know exactly what he's talking about. It has to be explained to us because we don't know history. But they knew exactly what he was talking about. So when he was over there in, in uh, verse 28 of, of chapter 2 and he said, I'll give you the morning star, they knew exactly what he meant. I will give you the sovereignty. Amen. Ruling authority. You will have the most powerful star of all, myself. And my glory. That we will share Christ's rule over all of creation. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. See, there are those that will just kind of get in and live in it. But then there are those that will rule with him. Glory to God. Amen. Look in Isaiah 14. Uh, where was that? Maybe verse 10. I'm not sure. Let's try verse 10. No. Eight. No. Mm. Well, anyway, I'm looking for where he says, oh, son of the morning, son of the dawn. It's someplace in Isaiah 14. I don't know if you can look at that on the program. Twelve. No, thank you. All right. How you have fallen from heaven, O star of the morning, son of the dawn, you have been cut down to the earth, you who have weakened the nations. Now look at the King James Version of that. 
How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? Okay, go back to the New American Standard. So who's he talking about here? Lucifer. And he's called the star of the morning or the morning star. See, he was the morning star. We know that as Lucifer, he was the anointed cherub. He was God's right-hand man. Wasn't, isn't that right? All right. So when Jesus said, I'll give you the morning star, not only will you have kingly glory with Jesus, but I'll give you that morning star and you'll have total victory over him and you'll have total authority over him. See, for the overcomers that he's talking to, where the things that they were dealing with to overcome sin and the seduction and the deception to overcome all of that and choose to walk in the truth, there's a special place in Jesus with special authority for all eternity. So this is why we always say, how big will your eternity be? Because when you leave this earth, you don't get to make it bigger. Amen. Verse 29, back in um, Revelation 2. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Now, when you see the word hear, what does that mean? It means hear it and obey it. Hear it and obey it. He who has an ear, let him hear and obey. Because hearing always has the idea that there's obedience involved. Because you cannot hear like we do. We sit, we hear it, but then we don't remember it. We don't even know what was talked about. We go to lunch and it was like, whoa, what was that about? Well, that was good. What was it about? I, I, I don't know. I liked it. Well, that means you never heard it. Because you haven't heard it until you've obeyed it. And that's always the idea of the word of God. That when it says you hear it, it means you obey it. Let him who has an ear let him hear and obey or hear to obedience what the Spirit says to the church. So hearing is to affect your heart and also to affect your life. This should do something to your heart and then it should bring a result into your life. Amen. Amen. And like I said, these things are not easy to talk about it. Many churches don't want to address these kinds of things because people don't like to hear about it. Some think that when you talk about this, where Jesus said, I will kill her children, you know, people think, oh, you're, ju you're just trying to produce fear in people. No, no, no. It's to produce reverence for God so that you don't sin. The things in the Word of God are not taught to produce fear. The, the things in the Word of God are taught to produce overcomers. Because that's what Jesus wants for you. That is his desire, that every single person walk in that overcoming that Jesus walked in. He said, in the world you have, but take courage, for I have. As he's overcome, he wants us to overcome. And he tries to show us the path to walk in so that we can be the overcomer instead of being overcome by the things of the world. The works of the flesh is not an avenue to overcome. Thank you, Jesus. You cannot overcome by works of the flesh. Jesus has already, he's already judged works in the flesh. He's already judged it. Works in the flesh, sin in the flesh, that's where sin is. Sin is in the flesh. So works in the flesh can't produce the things of God. It's not the avenue to overcome. It's faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ and to live his life, to live his life. How much do you want to overcome? I don't know. How much of his life do you want to live? See, that's the whole thing. How much of his life do you want to live? That's like people say, well, Christ dwells in me. How much? I don't know how much of his word dwells in you. We all want to overcome, but how much? How much of his life do we want to live? Do we want to do just, oh, I do this part. Well, how much of his life do you want to overcome? I mean, how much of life do you want to live as an overcomer? 
we have to live his life. Let him, the morning star, arise in your heart and in your life in everything you do. Amen. Amen. It's keeping him first place, making him Lord of your life in everything you do. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We bless you, Jesus. We honor you. We glorify you. We magnify you, Lord. You are the Lord of hosts. You are the Lord of the host of heaven. You are the most high God, the everlasting king. Oh, we bless you and we honor you, Lord. There is none like you, Jesus. Glorious king and mighty God, God of creation, heavenly one, Lord. Oh, I thank you that you have overcome the world for us. Thank you, Lord, that you've destroyed the works of the devil, untied us, unbound us, disconnected us from the works of the devil, that we can walk free, be free, live free, and enjoy the life of an overcomer, life as real life, life indeed, life as you have designed life to be, full of blessing, full of glory, full of honor. Oh, I thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, we bless you, Jesus. We set our faith in you. We set our faith in you. We set our faith in you, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. 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 Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, Father, we receive this word tonight. Your word is not hard. Your word is not harsh. You, you have said that your word, your yoke is easy and your burden is light. The only reason any of these things might be hard is because flesh is in such control. But I thank you, Lord, that by the power of your word, by the power of your spirit, we can break that ruling spirit of the flesh and take control of it and walk as the recreated new creature in Christ that you've made us to be. That we can renew our mind, restore our soul, think like you think, talk like you talk, act like you act from the inside to the outside. Thank you, Lord. We continue to grow in your nature and your character. Thank you, Holy Spirit that you make these things alive on the inside of us, that it becomes a reality in our life. Father, I thank you that there are those that need to hear these things in truth, to hear these things in love, to hear these things in authority. So, Father, we ask that by your Spirit you just seal these things in us, that they come out as needed to be so that they would minister life to those that we come in contact with and that they can hear the truth and the truth will make them free. Yes, Father, we thank you for it. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Lord, as we come before you with our giving tonight, I thank you for the opportunity to sow our seed that it will produce a harvest, that there'll be a harvest of fruit to share with others and seed to sow again into the kingdom. I thank you, Lord, that there's always a supply that comes from you for the things that you would have us to do, that we never have to worry about running out, running low, running short, for you are more than enough to handle every situation. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. If you need an envelope for a cash or credit card giving, there's an envelope uh, on the seat back in front of you. Hallelujah. Still can't talk to live stream or podcasters yet. We still don't have Internet. So. <clears throat> But there is the availability to hear again through CD, the magic of CDs. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. 
Thank you, Jesus. God is good.